Guy Caramba for January 9th through 15th, 2022. Venus is emerging from inferior conjunction as this week begins. You might catch your first morning glimpse of it this week. Mars is the better prospect, though, for morning planet viewing. It's moving away from Antares, the heart of Scorpius, and passes by Garafsa in Ophiuchus in the last days of this week. In the evening sky, Mercury starts the week moving eastward in Capricornus, but it won't catch up with Saturn. The messenger planet will turn around in the constellation while the ringed planet keeps going slowly eastward. Mercury is at perihelion closest to the Sun in its orbit on Saturday. It'll be 0.31 astronomical units from the Sun. Jupiter continues slow eastward motion in Aquarius just above them. We start the week with a first quarter moon. It's moving northward and approaching full when it's at apogee, its farthest point from Earth on Friday. The asteroid Iris is at opposition on Thursday. Opposition means it's up all night, opposite the sun in the sky. It's 1.1 astronomical units, or Earth-Sun distances, from us. It should be a little brighter than magnitude 8, so binoculars or a small telescope can help you find it in a dark enough sky. It's between the stars of Cancer and Gemini, moving toward Gemini. Get a star chart, such as those I put on the Sky Carumba Facebook and Twitter feeds, and look from night to night. Once you figure out which patch of sky it's in, look every night and see which object has moved. The moon will interfere with the view a little later this week, so look earlier in the week if you can. Iris is the seventh of the asteroids discovered between Mars and Jupiter. It's named for the Greek goddess of rainbows. Some of the craters on Iris were given Greek color names. And in the eye, the iris is the part we're talking about when we talk about someone's eye color. January is the best month to get acquainted with Orion the Hunter, and it's the easiest constellation to get acquainted with. It's the brightest, it has many named stars, and it's up all night this month. It straddles the celestial equator, so it's entirely visible to northern and southern hemisphere sky watchers, except for those very far north and very far south. The belt stars east to west are Elnatak, Elnalam, and Mintike. If you look at the middle star, you see a dust cloud around it lit up by the star. A little south of Elnatak is the Horsehead Nebula. It's hard to see even with optical aids. Astrophotography reveals the shape of what it's named for. South of the belt is the Hunter's Dagger. It looks like three stars, but the middle object is a nebula and a double star. The bright orange star that is one of Orion's shoulders is Betelgeuse. It went a little dim and brightened up again over the last two years, apparently because of stellar material cooling off to form dust. The other shoulder star is Bellatrix. On the same side as Bellatrix, bright blue Rigel is one of the hunter's knees, or a foot by some accounts. Rigel is one of the brightest stars when you consider absolute brightness, which is how bright various stars would be if viewed at the same distance. The other knee, or foot, is Seif. If your sky is dim enough, you'll make out a few stars that form Orion's head. You may even be able to see something he's holding in front of him. Some sky watchers of long ago called it a shield. Others called it an animal skin. A river runs through some of the ancient Greek stories that are remembered in the constellations, and it should be no surprise then that a river is remembered up there too. 
Eridanus represents the Nile in most legends. In others, it's the Euphrates, and there are other stories equating it with other rivers. Those who lived in the Middle East long ago thought the Nile and Euphrates were connected to another body of water, and they believed this one body of water and its tributaries surrounded the entire world. They had no idea that all the oceans in the world really are just one big water body. In one legend, Aquarius, the water-bearer, is pouring this river from his containers of water. In another, the unfortunate Phaeton wrecked the chariot that carried the sun across the sky. Zeus zapped the chariot with a thunderbolt as it traced a dangerous route across the heavens. Phaeton fell into the river and drowned. The brightest star in Eridanus is called Akernar. The name is Arabic for river's end. Kursa means footstool of the giant because of its place near Orion. Zybal means ostriches because that's where some stories said ostriches lived along the river. Akamar is another star whose name means river's end. Sounds a lot like Akernar. Astronomers know of more than three dozen galaxies in Eridanus, but they also know of a very large area seemingly devoid of any galaxies or any other material at all. Even microwave radiation detectors find it empty. Some call it the Eridanus supervoid. Other such voids are known. Scientists don't know why there are some spots in the sky that seem to contain nothing at all, though. You can find the mostly dim stars of Eridanus by looking at Orion. The river starts just west and south of the bright star Rigel. After a jaunt northeastward toward Orion, it goes west, then south, and then east again. It keeps going, generally, in a southwestward direction. Most people in the northern hemisphere don't see that part of it. If you're in the northern hemisphere, don't step in any real rivers to get a view of Eridanus. It's cold this time of year. Sky Caramba!